0: and welcome to the Busyness podcast. My name is Emily Austin. I'm the founder and CEO of a London-based PR agency called Emerge. I'm passionate about launching and scaling small businesses and have been fortunate enough in my 13-year career to work with some of the most exciting, category-defining brands in the world. I started my business when I was 22 years old, fresh out of university. Since that time, the world has got louder, our expectations have become greater, and our lives have become busier. Fobbing friends off with the stop answer we've all become accustomed to, I'm so busy, is an attempt to compel, conflate, and convince. But when did being too busy become a mark of status? Why is the goal to never have any free time? And just what the fuck is everyone doing? Are we setting unrealistic expectations for future entrepreneurs and business owners by encouraging them that a maniacal approach to diarising is the standard? This podcast aims to give you a realistic, detailed insight into the honest stories, the failures, the triumphs, the intricacies, the mistakes, the comebacks, the fuck ups from those set to make their mark. The leaders, movers and shakers, trailblazers, and game changers. We cover imposter syndrome, hiring and firing, call-out culture, anxiety, global growth, daily routines, and knowing when to quit. Choosing the best in the busyness to help you cut through the noise and optimize your success. This week, I chat to Arielle Brooker and Josh White, co-founders of Europe's leading canned water brand, Canny Water. After an eye-opening trip to Thailand, which left them shocked by the amount of litter on the beaches, Josh and Arielle, along with their third co-founder, Perry, were determined to find a more sustainable alternative to single-use plastic bottles, and canning water was born. Launching in 2015, the brand has grown exponentially, down to the founder's passion, authenticity and guerrilla approach. Since then, they've sold over 20 million cans and are currently celebrating a mega fundraising round with backing from the former European president of Heineken. This year, Ariel, Josh and Perry made the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, and the brand is making serious moves in the food and drink sector But remains dedicated to their core mission of making a difference. We talked about how authenticity is at the core of the brand messaging and how the concept came to fruition. We discussed their hardcore guerrilla approach and the importance of showing up everywhere, as well as how they remain focused in getting it seen as a brand. Arielle and Josh spoke honestly about their relationship as co-founders and how they would make things happen, no matter what people told them. Naturally, we discussed sustainability, originality, and being the first in their sector to do something different. I was fortunate enough to know and work with the boys at their launch several years ago, and I'm really excited to have been able to capture this conversation and share it with you. I'd love to kick off by you guys telling me what Cano Water is, what your mission is, and then if you guys could introduce yourselves in terms of what role you have within the business.
1: So, Cano Water is the UK and Europe's leading canned water. It's an alternative to single use plastic bottles. It was started um, by Josh, myself, and our other co founder Perry, and the sole purpose was to create a more recyclable alternative to single use plastic bottles. And uh, that's what we've done. Over the last six years now, it's been.
0: Over 15 million cans sold worldwide. Is that that an up-to-date stat or...?
1: I think more now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably 20 million plus yeah. now since we, we released that one. You know, we were talking about many years ago when we'd sell a million cans, I'd get a tattoo of the Can of Water logo on. So I should have 20 tattoos now, <laughs> Exactly, but I, I don't. Um, but, you know, never in a million years could we have imagined that what started as a project in our front rooms turned into a fully-fledged business that is hopefully really making a difference.
0: You've got three co-founders. As far as I'm aware, Perry has always done a bit more design and sort of vision of the brand a lot of the social media a lot of the imagery we see what do you guys do for the business
2: it's funny because I guess when at the beginning we all had to do everything you know we were the operations we were the marketing we were the sales um you know we were in the warehouse packing boxes etc etc and then over time you know we've sort of merged into I guess our our roles today um, I sit sort of in the creative side and you know working with the marketing team on the vision and cre- the, the creative vision and um, yeah sit within the marketing seat and I'm in the commercial kind of operation
1: seat so in between our commercial director and our managing director and dealing with you know relationships and, and some of our Manufacturing trials and tribulations, etc. So, um, yeah, as Josh said, when we first started, we were doing everything and anything and just trying to get the business off the ground. So, it, do you know what it, the, the
2: mad thing about it is? Is you know watching something grow from nothing, and um, you know something that you're massively passionate about, and a word that we use a lot of the time is authenticity. And you know, the story of of Water is a very authentic story. And, uh, you know, when we launched the brand, no one was talking about our mission or, you know, or really understood our vision. Um, we had to tell the world that canned water, you know, is better than plastic bottles. It wasn't like there was anything out there like it. We were the first to do something in the world. And I think that that is a very hard It's an exciting place to be in, but it's also a really scary um, place to be in because, you know, you're taking a punt on an idea that has never been done before. And you have to try and convince hundreds of millions of people that the idea is going to be the future. And I think that 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 for for us is, you know, the most exciting thing. It's it's actually bigger than us three now. And we've created a movement that is, um, you know, that is growing every day.
0: It's kind of absurd now, right, to think about a time before an aggressive narrative around the reduction or elimination of single-use plastic. We've obviously, as a contemporary moment, got COP26 happening. The dialogue is so bloated now with businesses geared up specifically to tackle this. You guys started in 2014. What was happening at that time?
1: So we'd come back from a trip from Southeast Asia where we saw a lot of plastic on on one of the beaches there. You know, it was quite harrowing stuff. We didn't have the idea that we wanted to change the world like that. But I think fundamentally, we, we had the kind of foresight to see that something needed to change. Right. So we were looking into it. And one thing kind of led to another, and we became with, obsessed with this idea that, number one, there has to be a more recycled alternative to single-use plastic bottles. That was kind of number one. And we looked into different types of packaging. Aluminium cans stood up to us. We're not from a scientific background. you know. We, we barely have any A-levels between us, <laughs> to be honest. So we, we're not going to reinvent a material or something that hasn't existed. So we looked at the credentials of cans infinitely recyclable you can recycle it forever it doesn't lose quality etc etc has so many great things about it and we were like right this is the packaging that we're going to use and then we became obsessed with this can that Perry who's very visual and a graphic designer designed on his computer before we had anything you know from a manufacturing perspective we had a brochure business cards we had a whole kind of narrative about who we are and what we stand for and then we needed to make the thing so you know it, it kind of Happened backwards in a way. Um, our, our kind of pivotal moment was we, we we fired out a couple of emails to Selfridges and the British Fashion Council. We thought we wanted to be a you know a cool brand that has a purpose, um, and we got responses from both of them. The British Fashion Council were interested in us supplying London Fashion Week. Selfridges were interested in us supplying their store because they were at the point where they were removing all single-use plastic bottles. So things just escalated. Uh, yeah, it became a runaway train that we were like yeah. oh my god we actually have to make this <laughs> yeah. now because we've got people who really yeah. actually want it. And then the process of, you know, speaking to manufacturers, speaking to different co-packers, one thing led to another. We found the resealable lid on Google, we spoke to them, they introduced us to someone else, and all these pieces just kind of started fitting together to the point where we needed to raise some money because we had a product that we could make. We never even tried water in a can. We had full trust in the universe that it was going to deliver something nice to us. Um, and we went and raised a bit of money, got our first order of uh, 150,000 units, which was you know a significant amount of stock for something that you've never tried. And off we went, filling up Josh's car with cases and cases <laughs> of these cans, delivering them to anyone who would buy them from us, sponsoring events. You know, and and really trying to, I I think, I think we were we went into it naive, obviously, but everything that we believed was right, we were doing because in our minds we were the people who would consume this. You know, I think as you progress as a brand and as things change, your target customer becomes a bit different, and you hone in and and you understand a bit more about that. But fundamentally, at the beginning, we wanted to sell to people like us who you know cared about the planet or the future of the planet and who wanted to be part of a kind of cool community
2: and i think going back to what you said emily about what were people doing and what were people thinking no one was really especially in food and drink no one was thinking about sustainability it was either brand or uh, flavor it was never you know the 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 water category was very quiet in everything you know no, nothing was said about sustainability it was a very sleepy you know we we really sort of wanted to come in and disrupt and and wake people up and um that was the, actually the hardest part is you know getting so excited getting the money uh, being in selfridges and getting london fashion week and then calling up people in the office and being like we've got this kind of water and they just didn't care and i think that was when reality hit a little little bit of. How do we sell hundreds of millions of cans to eliminate single-use plastic from the ocean? And we learned very quickly that actually it wasn't going to be that easy. And just us three were probably – I would not say wasting our time, but we needed, you know, we needed help. And I think that's where, you know, people like Sky and BBC and uh, David Attenborough, who we've got a cardboard cutout of in our office, you know, really helped us. Because these people had a voice and all of the people that we had called up who had laughed down the phone at us and said no, were all of a sudden doing the research that we did in 2014 about cans and actually seeing that cans are the future. And, you know, can of water went from being this really silly fad that people thought would never be, you know, a um, supermarket, brand, a or supermarket brand or a retail brand, all of a sudden, you know, cans are popping up everywhere and, um, you know, can of water is slowly but surely um, popping up alongside, you know, your, your brand's that are in the supermarket that are sold in plastic.
0: Did you have a robust strategy at that point?
2: I think at the beginning, because this was our first business, and I think one of the reasons people sort of gravitate to the brand, especially from the three, the founders' story, is we didn't come from drinks backgrounds. We didn't come from biz, like big business backgrounds. This really was our first business, and it was a passion project. I guess that's sort of what you can call it. But we were just, you know, we were really our own market researchers as as such. And I think that we, we, Ariel and I, um, especially from a sales and marketing perspective were, you know, we had a plan, but I wouldn't say it was like a big strategy. It was names on a list. Exactly. You know, we were relentless in everyone that we would go after. If it meant that we had to stand outside of Selfridge's head office or Tesco's head office and wait five hours to to get to that person, Ariel, Ariel and I would do it. You know, I remember a time where Ariel was on Sky News and, you know, the interview was in Western Supermere and I got a call saying we need to get someone up there. And we knew that Ariel would be late uh, because he was the man to do it. We knew that he'd be late. But we said, yeah, you know, we would we would make things happen, even though we knew that, you know, it wasn't possible. But I think that is that that's the startup mentality. You know, and I, I, I respect founders um, who haven't had experience that, that, that start, um, start something fresh because it really is like that. One minute you're doing this, the next minute you're pulled out to doing that. And um, we're quite fortunate that we had the three of us because there are times where it isn't, you know, it isn't fun and it isn't exciting and you sort of have to fall back on each other to really keep, keep each other, you know motivated after you know all of these kind of
1: trial and errors, we understood that in order to get the buyers and the businesses interested in our product, we needed to create a community of people who wanted it. Yeah, so that's you know the majority of cans that we first ordered. We ordered 300,000 in total because they were 150,000 still and 150,000 sparkling, and apart from the ones that we sold at Selfridges, which was like a thousand a month. Um, we gave away the rest of them. You know, we we pulled up outside Oxford Street Station in Josh's car, handing stuff out in the summer. We were, you know, at any kind of event that would have us pop up stuff. We, we, you know, I, I'd say we were fairly guerrilla in what we did. And I think a lot of what we did back then really helped seed the brand and get us front of mind when eventually the big shift towards plastic awareness kind yeah. of
2: took hold. And I think that's when, you, when you've got a new idea I think the most important thing is how do you plant that seed so when it hits you're at the forefront of people's minds and I think that is what we were very good at you know a lot of people don't know how to sort of get in front of people and I think that you just have to be quite ruthless and especially with like the guerrilla stuff and you know just coming up with forward-thinking ideas of how can I get in front of this person? You know, they don't want to talk to me about how do I get around that type of thing because there's so many hurdles and so many barriers. But, you know, we really would – we would never take no as an answer. You know, we've had so many no's and then got yeses just from being not annoying, persistent, but, you know, working in different ways of how to sort of manipulate situations. You know, as an example, I wanted to get into gyms. So I went onto LinkedIn and followed every single person that had a gym background and then started posting pictures of can of water within gyms um, that I had just taken in a gym. And then people started from the gym world started to message me. And I think that that was just all calculated, but it's about coming up with that idea and then putting it into fruition. And I think that that's the type of stuff that we did back in the early days that really got can of water on the map.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a likable quality about you guys, too, because now there's such a lens on social media, particularly with founders, this like cool factor. And it's, you know, it's really exciting to be a founder and everyone wants to be an entrepreneur so they can tell people at a dinner. And the reality of running a business is scrappy and stressful and you are like figuring it out. Did you find that you were doing a lot of educating, a lot of handholding, a lot of like, this is coming and you should be prepared?
2: So I always say this story. I was once in Whole Foods and this 50, 60 year old woman asked me for my autograph. I just I didn't understand why. I didn't understand why. And I I was blown away. And I said, like why do my autograph? She goes, well, I've been speaking about plastic pollution for the past 30 years and no one's listened to me. And she was like, it's clear that people are listening to you and i think that you know when you look at greta thunberg and you know similar you know this young girl that's making waves whether you like her or you don't like her she's made a difference and you know people have been speaking about climate change for for years but then she comes in and i think that people listen to people that are relatable you know, I personally, Ario and I were probably part of the problem years and years ago. And now we very much, you know, work on being part of a solution, our solution. And I think that talking about myself, if I was spoken to by someone at Greenpeace eight years ago, before I'd seen uh, what we had seen in Thailand, I too would have just ignored it and thought about, you know, how, and I think that that's something that is incredibly important is that we are relatable. We are three just normal, semi-normal people who, you know, saw a problem and came up with um, with an idea that is, as, as I said before, that is, that is bigger than us now. But it took a load of convincing, you know, and it was only until David Attenborough did Blue Planet um, and BBC and Sky and all of these corporations, you know, started hiring sustainability managers and where people actually started to say, Oh, okay. Because yeah, people, people massively, massively doubted us. And I think without that movement, I don't think that we would, I think that we definitely would have been a successful brand, but with the help of, you know, faces and big, you know, big conglomerates behind us, it's enabled us to be heard. So the convincing became a easier, I guess. It was always educational for us, I think, because Firstly, we just
1: enjoy talking to people about what we're doing. And and naturally, you know, we're decent guys. We have a smile on our face and and we just like sharing why we think we're better. And everything we did from a creative to a marketing to even sales was just telling our story of why, you know, we believe we're better. Most of the time, people laughed at us at the beginning. You know, try selling a a can of water to someone who never heard of something like that down the phone you know the the thing like a coke can filled with water it was it was comical but eventually thanks to the likes of David Attenborough and and, you know some of the bigger conservationists people started to take note and you know there isn't that much plastic pollution in the UK compared to the rest of the world but as a nation we've really taken this message and we've really brought this this kind of you know challenge home.
0: I guess it's a perfect storm isn't it you need like the environment and the environmental factors, the kind of social, cultural, political powers that be to take note and then famous people. And then to your point earlier, Josh, you've got to be like positioned, ready for when that trend does happen. You're you're the go to the go to people. Do you think there's a lot of confusion about plastic versus recycled plastic versus glass? Do you think there's just a lot of confusion for consumers that it's not been easy enough for them to really understand the problem?
1: I think there's so much ambiguity around you know what is good and what isn't and I think this this bloating of information has served some of the bigger corporations well because consumers are just getting confused so they see something on the shelf that says recycled or recyclable and instantly they're like okay you know that has alleviated my concerns I feel good about myself I'll buy this and I I personally think that's probably a tactic as well but you know the knee jerk reaction to this whole conservation plastic pollution movement was so quick that I think there have been mistakes, unfortunately, that people have made along the way. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity, there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of greenwashing going on. I've seen recently that, you know, the advertising standards agency are doing a lot more work now on kind of preventing some of those messages from going out there. But, Certainly, if if I wasn't in the know and I was a a typical consumer, Mm -hmm. I think I'd look at things and and just be wildly overwhelmed with, you know, all of the different terminologies, to be honest. So, yeah, it is a problem that hopefully over the next couple of years, there'll be a bit more kind of uh, due diligence and and regulation on it.
0: There's obviously a point about distribution for you guys that the more available the product is, the more people will make the choice, particularly if it's against something like a plastic bottle. It's a pretty easy decision in theory if you're looking at the two products together. In terms of the management of that, when you start talking to big retailers, what was your experience like of that being in these much bigger stores, dealing with these big buyers, competing for the most competitive shelf space available in the UK?
1: So it it was quite daunting, you know, initially. All of the stories that we'd heard you know, up until we really met the big retail buyers was how you know, they're just going to rip you off and take all your margin and they're going to bully you and you're going to have to say yes because if you don't, your business will you know, never succeed. But in reality, it was quite different for us. I don't know what it's like for other brands. I've heard different stories. But I think the nature of what we do and the necessity to put us on the shelf at the time gave us an advantage in, you know, negotiating and dealing with those people because we, and, mm-hmm. and you know, we love it because it creates a difference, but sometimes we're a vehicle to make other people look better because they're using us as opposed to plastic bottles, right? So it's a great thing for us as a business and, you know, for our, our main purpose, but it allowed us that um, ability to, I guess, be, <laughs> have a, a bit of kind of softness when people are approaching us. You know, as, as we've grown, we've hired a commercial director who's incredibly skilled in that space. So I think a lot of our naivety allowed us to find our feet in that. But initially, yeah, it, it wasn't as tough as maybe some people make it out to be. But what we had to do was convince the retailer as to why, you know, they would list us. And a lot of what we did was say, give us the shelf space you know, with a product that you need to prove that you're doing something about plastic pollution and give us the ability to talk to the consumer and tell them, you know, who we are and why we exist. And I think, you know, Josh in, in the creative and marketing has done an amazing job with that. I think can
2: of water, you know, one thing that we really do pride ourselves on is that we are quite original on anything that we do, whether it's, you know, content or, uh, you know, ideas you know, we were the first to come up with canned water, and we like to pride ourselves as the first to sort of do a lot of things.
0: You mentioned this earlier. I guess we touched on it about the idea that running a business, particularly in the early stages, isn't particularly sexy. But from what we read in press and online, and and through your social media for the business, Cano Water is is a pretty sexy business. So you've got David Gandhi as an investor. You've got London gyms that have snapped you up. The Oscars. We hear a lot about social media setting on realistic standards, particularly for founders. For a business, obviously, it's a brilliant marketing tool, and it's important to show off what you're doing, and a lot of buyers and retailers will look at it. But for you guys personally, do you have healthy relationships with social media? Do you look at competitors? Do you find yourselves comparing yourselves to other founders, or, or are you quite disciplined about it?
2: Social media can be very misleading, from a competitor's perspective, we just do our thing and we don't, you know, worry about competition. One of our, you know, our vision is to remove a billion plastic bottles uh, by selling cans within the next 10 years and inspiring other brands. So if other brands come out with, um, you know, cans over plastic bottles, as long as they're being authentic and they're not still selling loads of plastic, you know, we're very much all for it. So from that perspective, we, you know, we don't really let that get to us. I think, Social media, yeah, it can sort of be very blurred, but you know, LinkedIn for me is—I I, I love LinkedIn. You know, I don't do, don't do a lot personally on any other social media, but for me, LinkedIn is something that I had never touched before. Cano Water and. I spend more time on now than any other form of social media, even on the feed, which is quite interesting. I I actually enjoy reading people's business journeys over going on Facebook and Instagram and seeing people's sort of Social life journeys, if that makes sense. I don't know about, about you.
1: I, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm a big user of LinkedIn. I don't really. I mean, I haven't used Facebook in a long time. <laughs> I very, very rarely use Instagram. I've <laughs> deleted the app off my phone now, so I might go on it, you know, once a week for five minutes. But I think it's quite easy to get sucked into, you know, this comparable of <laughs> what someone else is doing versus yourself, and it's it's extremely unhealthy, right? Everyone's really running their own race. I remember, you know, years ago I would look at other brands and I would think, Oh, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. And then when you kind of get further down the line and you look back, you just think, What a load of bullshit. You know, you, you just do what you know to do or what you believe is right and the rest will kind of work itself out. So it it's it's interesting because I, I don't think it's positive for anyone, really. It's incredibly misleading. Everyone paints the picture that
2: you know they're doing incredibly well but yeah yeah putting out sort of like all the good all the good and i think that it's quite important for everyone to see actually how hard it is to, to 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 build a business and how you have got to get you know your hands dirty and you might have to be you know work you know in a in our case in a warehouse for the whole day building pallets and driving to people's houses to deliver things because you can't afford couriers and all that sort of stuff in the early days and you know I don't think that we would be the people we are today had we not have you know done all of that stuff. I think it's incredibly important to do all of that stuff um, in order to you know grow as a a founder. So when you sort of say use the word sexy, I don't know if it ever gets sexy from a working perspective. I think that you're always troubleshooting and things always. Go wrong and then go right and then go wrong doubly and then We've go done right. We've some sexy things from time to
1: time, yeah. but you know the majority of it is hard graft.
0: The dialogue on social media and online, you need to tell a clear line, right? Like I have bad days as much as I'm sure you guys do, and it's not really appropriate to go on an Instagram live and tell everyone. But that's where I use my relationships with other founders, and I'm really lucky, obviously, to have been known you guys a long time. But there's, there's a network of people who are, whether they started businesses at a similar time or you've just connected or you've found a way to work together where you can have some of those slightly more challenging conversations. The The dialogue for me in that instance is probably more offline. Is that, have you guys got a good community of advisors and mentors and mates who you can talk to?
2: I think COVID was a time where, you know, talking about what you just sort of said about founders, where I found other founders really helpful because, you know, overnight you go from you know you have nothing then you build something and then overnight everything just you know everything stops and everything that we've worked hard for and it was just was just literally just going up and then it just you know everything everything collapsed and you know the world stopped and put the business aside personally you know as a founder that's devastating you think that you've your main priority is the team making sure you're putting them before you and making sure that they are okay first and then you know then then yourself and and I think that one thing that I found is speaking to other founders and hearing that they're in the same place and working with them from a mental. Perspective of um, getting an understanding of how they're dealing with it personally helped me massively. Uh, we never really had mentors. We sort of mentored ourselves at the beginning. But COVID for me was an incredible time where I felt that business people came together to really sort of keep each other's mental health and mental state afloat, because that was a really scary time, you know. I
0: totally, completely agree. Making high profile hires for the business can be hugely beneficial for success, for bringing in people who are more knowledgeable than you, also keeping investors happy. They like to see interesting people on boards. You've raised money during the course of your business journey, and you've hired a former Heineken boss more recently for some of your global and European expansion. Can you just talk to me a bit more about raising money and and kind of approaching higher profile people to, to join the business?
2: We've been
1: quite fortunate that up until our most recent raise, you know, our initial investors have backed us along the way so we haven't had to necessarily do loads of beauty parades or or, you know go through that process but the first time we raised money Josh sent an email by accident to someone from his Cano water email about a DJ job because he was DJing at the time and uh, it really used to annoy me that he would confuse the two Um, but it just so happened that this person knew some people who'd exited a business it was one of the fateful stories of you know the, the kind of growth of can of water um, and we were introduced to you know what I call friends and family seed via that method so we didn't have to do any door knocking although I, I you know, believe we probably would have done if we needed to yeah. you know there's a lot of money we could have wasted along the way for sure we could have spent millions of pounds that we didn't have on things that I don't think would have served us um, as well as we would have liked to we are in a fortunate position that you know, we've got good advice around us as well. And we waited until it was, you know, absolutely necessary to raise money. Because I think I, I think there is a, a delicate balance, you can go too soon or, or too late. Um, and I think we did it, you know, at the perfect time. And it allowed us, like you mentioned, you know, that the chair of our board is ex-Heineken and he's an investor. Um, he was the CEO, uh, sorry, the ex-president of Heineken for Europe. So, Through waiting, sometimes, you know, you get some people that you never thought would be possible, but it depends on your business, your appetite, really what you want to do with the business as well. Some people are building a business to exit in three years and and their timeline might be shorter. We're building, you know, a business with a purpose that we want to live forever. So we've kind of got that runway of taking a bit more time to do it.
0: Do you fantasize about like, what if, uh, you know, what if we got an email from, a Unilever or a P&G or a Diageo, whatever the big kind of businesses would be that might buy it. Do you think about that, or are you just aware that if we keep doing what we're doing, you know, at the point at which we need a bigger step or we want out or whatever, that's when we'll change the strategy?
2: I think. I think for us, you know, the the goal really is to stick to our mission, which I said before, which is you know to remove as much plastic out of the ocean and I think that we are still very much doing as much as we can on a daily basis to really be a really cool brand that has sustainability at the heart and not thinking too much about where we sort of end up because I think that that is the authentic approach you know I think that we 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 are we are entrepreneurs you know we get the itch we are excited about loads of different things but I think that the most important thing for us is just to keep our eye on the ball and not veer away from that. Who knows? That, that That's the truth. Who knows what can happen? And I think that you know, Ariel and I have seen in the past six years from when we first started the brand and... People would walk past our stand at Taste of London in 2015 laughing at our uh, at our roller banners that said water tastes better from a can. And to now where, you know, we'll do something and everyone's like knows the brand. And, you know, it, it, so much can change in such a short amount of time. One thing I do know is that, uh, and I've said it a few times, is that can of water is a movement. You know, it is now not just me, Ariel and Perry it is now like an actual category that we've created. So I listen, who knows? Who knows?
0: Well, you know, you guys have had an amazing six years so far. I think that you're standing outside trying to flog something to someone, you're catching each other's eye at a trade show when everyone's laughing at you. And, you know, in many ways, that is part of the journey of running a business is that those, it's kind of like if you earn a million quid or if you win a million quid in the lottery, like they feel very different as experiences. And, you've collaborated with amazing brands, you've created incredible partnerships and artwork, you're in amazing stores, you've had celebrities using the product, you've had it on famous sets around the world. Do you take time to, are you good at recognising the progress?
2: Sometimes, honestly, no word of a lie, sometimes, and it only really happened after probably four and a half, five years, because it all goes so fast. And the three of us were so determined to make it work and we'd be calling so many people, you very, very, and just, you know, being places and every single day was like a, it was was never 24 hours. It was just every, every, every single second, it just merged basically. And I think you very rarely get to look back. And I think that one thing that we probably aren't the best at, which I think that we have done a few times Especially recently, you know, with the raise and, you know, when we might see ourselves, we're like Forbes 30 under 30, you know, which was a passion of ours. I had just turned 30, so I thought I wasn't going to get it. And uh, here we are. But, you know, you very rarely are able to look back. And there has been three or like maybe two or three occasions where I've been somewhere, can of water is everywhere. And I'm standing there, and the past five years has literally just like, flash between my eyes and I'm like, I'm like Matt this is like it just blows me away um, because we don't, we don't talk enough about these successes because you're constantly just trying to you know to, 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 to contribute more and more and more
1: to the mission. You know we, we've never been about plastering ourselves over whatever it is and like look how great we are. I think to an extent we probably still feel that this is a bit surreal that you know we're sat in an office that our business our idea pays for and you know people are employed and people are i still when i see someone in the street holding a can it's like uh, i still can't believe it most of the time so it's it's a really it's weird actually it's it's just kind of a
2: bizarre feeling Mm. and the maddest thing is 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 i I think it's only just started you know i said can of water could be around for the next 100 years and i mean we're not gonna be in it for 100 years um but you know it could be a brand that Our kids, our grandkids, people around us, family members will maybe see forever. And, 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 you know, I think something for, for, for me personally is, you know, to have created something that has made a difference.
0: You talked a little bit about authenticity and about really sticking with your idea and really grinding away to progress the business. With that in mind, what's the best piece of advice you've been given about building a business?
2: Just do it. Ariel and I have been told by so many people that canned water would never be able to be a thing before we before we got a can, yeah? It can't be a thing. Well, we made it a thing. You'll never get investment. Or we got investment. You'll never get into Tesco. Well, we got into Tesco. And I think that so many people's ideas will get shut down and they will just turn around that day and just never create it. And I think that one thing that I've learned is... You know, we, Ariel used the word naivety, like we were very, very naive, but at the same time, we believed that we could do this. And I think that that's something that I always say to anyone that I speak to is if you seriously, seriously believe that you've got something, even if someone is telling you that you can't do it, if you really believe it, in it, and your gut is telling you that there is a market and you can see that there is, you know, a niche for your for your brand, never let anyone tell you because like 99% of the time they're actually probably wrong or they're jealous and they you know they're, they're, they want your idea you know it's the amount of people that told us that we just could you just wouldn't happen it's just it's it's crazy to think and I think that you know had we had listened to one of those people we wouldn't be sitting here today.
0: Obviously you guys are experts in category, you've obviously had to consider a lot about packaging and um, making sure that you're sustainable, making sure that you guys as a business are, are representing your own value system. How do you make sure that you keep learning?
1: I listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, for me, You know, I do read quite a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Whether I absorb as much information as I think I am, I don't know. Um, But also, you know, I think for us, we've hired some talented people around us who can help us achieve those things and and also teach us those things, to be honest with you. Um, I was never a good academic at school, so I I think I would probably struggle to really, you know, sit down and, and learn things. So I think it's all practical stuff for me. Um, and I think that's you know extremely important. I think you just got to start doing things that you might not be able to do, and eventually you'll get better at those. So that that's kind of how I try and, and learn some more. Yeah, I've, to be honest,
2: I've always loved the the word leader, you know, rather than you know that boss type mentality, um, and you know going on the journey with the team, no matter how sort of menial the job is to. How, how high the job is, I listened to a serious amount of podcasts, you know, how I built this actually. Um, but, you know, I remember hearing how I built this in the early days when everything was tough. And I would leave work literally basically in tears, because things weren't going our way. But then we'd listen to a podcast on whether it was, you know, uh, Airbnb, or, uh, you know, one of these ones where they got told by everyone that it wasn't possible. And then, you know, they made it possible. I think that from a category perspective, I I would say, (laughs) this is going to sound weird, I'm like a glorified stalker. Like I'm very engrossed in the category. I know everything that is going on within food and drink. I, you know, really do spend a lot of time watching what people are doing and understanding why they're doing it and, you know, not even taking inspiration because actually I find a lot of the things just very much like the same old shit basically but thinking of what would can of waters take be and I think that that's incredibly important um when it comes to the growth of your own brand because it is so easy to just get ice cubes and a glass and a photographer and just pour you know can of water into a glass and just say oh yeah that's but that's that's not what we are, you know. We, uh, you know, Red Bull. I'm a massive fan of Red Bull. You hardly even think about the drink, you know. They are a brand. They are a, you know, everything that they do is very much the way that I would say that we sort of look at can of water. It's it's a it's a movement, and um, how do we make it, you know, exciting and different to what's going on in the category?
0: You guys obviously are busy. The podcast is called the Busyness Podcast. If you guys each had an extra hour in the day what would you use it for
2: I'm a massive advocate of making sure that you look after yourself um you know I've been I think we both have actually we've been a product of overworking I think that it's so important to just get an understanding of who you are because it is so easy to lose yourself amongst all of the as you said the materialistic stuff like I have to be driving this car I have to have this house i have to be doing this and this and I think that that is personally for me not where I've ever wanted to go, but can feel myself, you know, at times veering towards it, and sometimes I have to reel myself back in and actually say, you know, I, I'm not that guy. I'm 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 the humble guy that actually, like, with a bit of meditation a day, actually can sort of bring me back to reality. So I think that that if I did have an extra hour, I think that because I work so hard I deserve that little bit of extra sort of meditation and well-being type side probably what Josh has said to be honest
1: with you but as I get older my body is getting a lot more like creaky so <laughs> I would actually I would stretch <laughs> I don't stretch enough <laughs> you know I'm I feel quite fulfilled I think that extra hour would be to focus on things that you know help you achieve your goals further, faster, whatever it may be. And I think a lot of that does come down to, cliche, but connecting with yourself and and trying to create a bit more peace. Yeah, definitely. We live in a very turbulent world, so peace is nice.
0: Well, I mean, I can't give you an extra hour, so you'll just have to remain stressed. But um, tell me what's next. What's next for the brand? What can we expect to see in the next 6, 12, 24 months?
2: I think we're just, you know, with this investment it enables us to really expand the brand and take it you know do everything that we've done but better and i think that what you can expect is you know to hear more to see more and to to really understand you know the brand and i think that that's something you know ario said before and that education is key and i think that you know you'll see us everywhere We're really, really excited for the next five years to see where it goes, because if it's anything like the past, you know, the past five years, it's going to be so exciting.
0: I'm so grateful that you guys took the time to talk to me. I know you're super busy. I feel really proud that I've been able to be a part of your journey in some small way. And I feel hugely uh, pleased whenever I see the brand anywhere that you guys are continuing to grow and dominate. And I've no doubt that that will continue and we'll see it in more and more places so thank you for being open and honest I know lots of people listening will find your candle really insightful and really helpful to kind of connect with in a really honest and authentic way so thank you very much and I wish you all the best for the next few months thank, thank you, you very much for having us